How is everyone? Good. I just, I want to let everyone know that I feel like this is coming from the Father. You are welcome here. Even if you feel a little nervous, even if you're dealing with some stuff today, the Father says you're welcome. He welcomes you. Okay? Wasn't that awesome last week? Yeah. Who, who of you were here? That was powerful. Thank you, Doug. Um, revival isn't coming. It's already here. It is. It's just continuing to grow. And the enemy can't stop it. I ask you, Father, that you would open the eyes of your people today. Those who aren't even yet your people, but are still your sons and your daughters that you have made, that you have created. I ask, Father, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, open eyes to see into the Spirit what you're doing, to hear what you are saying, hear what you are saying, Holy Spirit, to your church. Father, make yourself manifest to your people today, I ask, that we may see what you are doing now. I ask also that you would reveal today what the enemy has been doing, but also what you are doing. Amen. There were some good words this morning. Linda, Greg up here. There are people here. The Spirit revealed to me as well. There are people here who are dealing with a battle in the mind. Mental battles, depression, and other things. And today, you're going to get free. The enemy can't stand against what God is doing. If you let him. If you let him. He wants to. And as Greg said, there are some here who actually don't know what's been going on. You felt like you have been under a mountain of dirt, and you don't know why. But today, the Holy Spirit is going to share with you why. He's going to reveal to you why you've been feeling that way, and he's going to show you how to get free. He's going to show you how to get free. He's going to expose the lies of Satan, and you may not even know that it's there, but he will be revealing it today, so get ready. And some of you may get healed today too, physically, but I know there's going to be healings mentally today. It's going to happen. So a couple of days ago, I was studying for this sermon, and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, go play with your son. My son Asher was outside in the dirt playing. And if you're like me, if you're an adult anyway, I have an aversion to getting dirty and getting muddy. I just do. I'm not really into that. It doesn't really get me excited. I don't, I'm not drawn to the dirt like my son is. <laughs> um, so I, I heard the Lord say that and I thought, no, I need to study right now. And he goes, go be with your son. Okay? Like many times, I don't understand why he's saying what he's saying, but I obey. So I went out. I found my son. He was on the back hill at our house, digging in the dirt with a rock, a little rock. And he was looking for something. And I went to help him. I got down in the dirt with him, and we got our hands dirty. And we saw underneath the dirt that he had dug out partially, there was this rock. He had already partially uncovered it, but he was really excited to get to it, but he couldn't pull it out on his own. So his dad came along, helped him dig some of that dirt. And, and as I was digging this rock out with my son, the Holy Spirit was talking to me. He was sharing with me something of which I'm going to share with you today. He said to me, this was, that was two days ago, he said to me yesterday, I was getting up in the morning, and I was getting dressed, and I heard him say, 
to each of you, to all of you. He said, they are my treasure. And I don't want you to forget that. You are God's treasure. So we proceeded to pull that rock out. We went over to the faucet and we washed it off. We cleaned it off. And what was muddy and dirty started shining. And we continued to clean it off. And there was that treasure that I didn't want to go get dirty to find. But my son did. And so we worked together on it. And that's what the Father is doing in your lives right now. You have been under some dirt and you don't even know how to get free. But he is going to show you how. Because you have stayed hidden long enough. Creation is groaning for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. Groaning. And the Father, if you'll let him, he's going to help you remove that dirt so that he can show you off. He's going to clean you off so he can show you off. So today I'm partnering with my dad. He's here with me to help dig up some, dig off some dirt, brush off some dirt so that he can make you shine again. But to help bring us up to where we should be, we need to talk about some things that are probably uncomfortable. Dirt is dirty, is it not? Like I said, I don't like to play in the dirt. I think as we grow from childhood into adulthood, something changes. Jesus took a little child in the midst of his disciples and he said, of such is the kingdom of heaven. Look at this child. Look at the way he or she behaves. Look at the way that they are by default. My son was revealing to me an aspect of the kingdom and of the king. So we're going to dispel some myths today. We're going to expose some demonic myths. Have you ever felt something strange happen in a room anytime you bring up demons? Maybe you felt it just now. Or Satan. Spiritual forces of wickedness. Does this kind of make you feel uncomfortable? Do you know what that feeling is? It's demons. They just got stirred up. They go, whoa. I've just been found out. I don't want them to talk about me. I want to stay hidden where I am. And usually that feeling is followed by someone in the room saying something like this. You need to be careful. Be careful. We don't want to discuss demons, Satan, things like that. Let's not talk too much about that. We don't want to give too much glory to Satan. And there the subject shifts to something else less important. And yet, ironically enough, Hollywood does not hold back from capitalizing on the demonic. Did you know that horror was the number three highest ranked grossing genre in the movie industry a couple of years ago? So what the church often doesn't educate us about, what we don't often educate ourselves about, Thankfully, that's not happening in this church, but the church at large, Hollywood is educating us about. And even if you don't watch horror films, there are demonic undertones in more and more movies and TV shows as the days go on. Hollywood sees the increasing, growing fascination with the demonic. Who do you think is behind that? 
Satan. He wants to educate us, even the church, about a one-sided demonic doctrine that we should be afraid of Satan, that we shouldn't talk about things like that. And you know what happens as a result? We remain ignorant in direct contradiction to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 2, verse 11. He says, we are not ignorant of his schemes, yet the church is ignorant of his schemes because we refuse to talk about these things. But today we're going to talk about these things. Because guess what? It's in Scripture. If Jesus didn't consider the topic of demons unmentionable, neither should we. The New Testament authors didn't consider it unmentionable. They talked about it a lot. But I think sometimes we just want to think that we're okay. We don't want to talk about the dirt. But in order to get rid of something, you have to identify it and recognize it and do something about it, right? Okay. But we don't have to do it alone. We have a helper. James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice what it didn't say. It doesn't say, ignore the devil, and he will flee from you. It says, resist the devil. Just because I am a Christian doesn't mean that I am immune from demonic attack. How many have heard that line of thinking, though? I sure have. It's rampant. It's rampant in the church at large. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Who is Satan the accuser of? Christians. And how often does he accuse us before the throne of God? Day and night. So he's attacking you right now. He is. He doesn't let up. We let up. He doesn't. He's more persistent than we are often. Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verse 11, it says, um, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Notice that it doesn't say God wrestles against these things. It says we wrestle against them. (laughs) Sorry, that's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Verse 11 um, says that we're to put on the full armor of God. Now, who did Paul write the book of Ephesians to? Christians, that's right. So if there is no battle, why do I need armor? The word wrestle in Ephesians 6.12, it can literally mean a contest between two in which each endeavors to throw the other and which is decided when the victor is able to hold his opponent down with his hand upon his head. Yeah. Does that sound like a nonchalant thing that we should just ignore? It's vicious. Even though we wish Satan would leave us alone, doesn't mean he will. But I think that's what oftentimes we do. We want to say, if I put my head in the sand long enough, he'll leave me alone. Now, if there was an invading country coming over into the United States, if we said, they're not there, la, 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 put our hands in our ears, would that make them go away? No. What would make them go away? Fighting back. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Tablet, work. In Jesus' name. And there it goes. No joke. Um, 1 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking 
some, for someone to devour. So stay alert or stay awake is the opposite of being ignorant or ignoring something, or it's, and it's the opposite of sleeping too, being unaware. But yet that is taught in the church at large. And it's nothing other than demonic doctrine. It really is. Because if you were Satan, would you want the only people who have the authority to defeat you on a daily basis, would you want them to know that you were attacking them? Or would you rather they just fight one another while you sit back and laugh? Or maybe the enemy says, well, there's no one for them to fight right now. Why don't I go ahead and just have them beat up themselves? Or they could get mad at God. Like if we, if we, if we actually saw into the spirit realm and we saw everyone's life, like how, what percentage of the time do we actually end up fighting Satan versus fighting ourselves, fighting one another, or being angry at God? Sad to say it would be a very small percentage. So today is a wake-up call. We are in a battle and no one is immune. And because no one is immune, everyone needs to be aware and knows how, needs to know how to fight. But sadly, because the subject has been avoided so often, no one is educated and knows how to fight the enemy. And so we wonder why, oh my goodness, why do I feel like this? Why am I struggling with these things? Because we're not fighting. We're just letting things happen to us. Oh, I feel down. Well, I'll just stay down. What do discouraged warriors do? Discouraged warriors do nothing. They sit down and they stay down. What did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? If you're his disciple, this prayer is for you. It's for me. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Notice where Jesus positions this next verse, verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then he goes on to say, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Do you think that it's an accident that Jesus, right after saying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, he then says, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. That is not a mistake. That is not an accident. Nothing enables the evil one to trick us into being his puppet rag dolls more than unforgiveness. And whenever we refuse to forgive anyone who has wronged us, we put out a welcome mat for Satan. Come on in. And we all, especially as Americans, we love to be in control, do we not? But the moment we sin, the moment we hold a grudge, the moment we remain in bitterness, whatever the justification, we have given our control of our life over to the evil one. It does not matter that we are sons and daughters of the Lord. We still give control over to our life, uh, our life, control of our life to Satan in that moment. So it's ironic because in those moments of like, I want to do what I want, in those moments that Satan just goes, ha, I tricked them. Now they're going to do what I want. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. My tablet was not working, and now it is. This is awesome. Matthew 18, verse 21. 
Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how, many, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payments to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. And when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, he had what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from his heart. In verse 34, in the King James Version, it says his master delivered him to the tormentors. And that's the same word that's used in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20, where Paul says, Among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, handed over, delivered, to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul said that. Probably of believers, I don't know. So, who of, who of you here have heard of the terminology deliverance, right? Deliverance from demons. Now, this puts a little bit different uh, spin on deliverance, doesn't it? It says, and in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers or the tormentors until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father, Jesus speaking, will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Who delivered who delivers the unforgiving individual over to demonic tormentors? The Father Himself. That's pretty serious. Wow. So more specifically, unforgiveness it, it hides. And it looks different. It takes different forms. It can often look like offense. If you find that you're easily offended by someone, you probably have unforgiveness toward that individual or someone else, and it's manifesting. Um, if you're jealous of other people and you find yourself seeing someone doing well, or being blessed by God, or whatever the case might be, and you go, mm, I don't like that. That's jealousy. Why did Cain kill his brother? Genesis chapter 4. Jealousy. Who was a murderer from the beginning? Satan. Matthew chapter 2. Satan motivated King Herod, to kill all the babies so that he could get to Jesus. It didn't work. Satan starts before birth, at birth, to try to kill, steal, and destroy. And he still tries it. If he, if he fails at birth, he continues throughout one's life, our lives. He does not give up. And I'm here to tell you, he hates you. 
and he doesn't fight fair. He is, is viciously, vehemently against you. And, he, and if you step out of line, so to speak, for a second, he will come and he will take advantage of that. How many of you know that? I do. But there's something he doesn't want you to know. Satan is more afraid of you than you are of him. So when you feel that fear, oh, a demon came to me in my dream, or I saw, I felt demons. Whose fear is it really? It's Satan's fear. He's projecting it on you. He's more afraid of you than you are of him because he knows who's with you. He's really afraid right now. Because he knows some people are going to get free today. And the father says enough is enough to the enemy. And he says to you, I want to help you. I want to help you kick some demon butt. Because he's been kicking your butt long enough. Did you hear me? (laughs) Okay. Come on. <laughs> Make sure you guys are awake. Sorry, I just he 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 I'm I he's a loser. He's just such a loser. I don't mind mocking him too. Okay, so turn with your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse four. Father, thank you. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 4. You know what? i got to read it. Okay, so I'm going to read from the NIV. Okay, so... Um, every time you see the word love, I want you to insert the word Jesus, the name Jesus, okay, where you see love. And you, I'm going to have you read this with me. So instead of love, you're going to say Jesus. And instead of, and, and then you're going to add your name in there, okay? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. And I'm going I'm to insert my name as well. You ready? Jesus is patient with Matt. Jesus is kind to Matt. Jesus does not envy Matt. Jesus does not boast over Matt. Jesus is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. He does not dishonor me. Jesus is not self-seeking to put himself before me. He actually put me first when he went to the cross. Jesus is not easily angered toward me, even when I do things that are angering, (laughs) that deserve anger. Jesus, he keeps no record of wrongs, of my wrongs, of Matt Dalby's wrongs. Read it with me. Jesus does not delight in my evil but he rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects, he always trusts, he always hopes, he always perseveres in spite of me. Now in your mind, or visually, look at that passage again. Keep Jesus' name in there, in place of where it says love. And now, take a minute. And think of that person or persons who the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that you're bitter against, that you've been offended when they said or did something, who you're jealous, have jealousy, feelings of jealousy toward. Put that person's name in there. And remember that Jesus treats that same person the same way as he treats you. Amen. 
there are a lot of discouraged warriors here. A lot. There is an epidemic in the church of discouragement. It's hard to talk about it because we're Christians, right? We're supposed to have it all together. But you know who knows that we're discouraged? Jesus, Holy Spirit, the Father, he knows. He knows that you're discouraged. But that can change today. In your discouragement, remember that there are others around you who are also discouraged. And there is a way that those people can be free, that you can be free from that discouragement, one way in particular, you encouraging them. It's that simple. Discouraged warriors need to be in courage. They need courage. They've been knocked down so many times they want to stay down. And they need another warrior to pick them up. But sadly enough, because of bitterness, unforgiveness, offense, jealousy, this line of logic has taken root in our psyche. I've got to be careful not to encourage them too much. They might get a big head. Hmm. What sort of reasoning is that sort of logic rooted in? It's not rooted in God's word. Paul would travel thousands of miles just to encourage other believers. He was in prison in Rome. He was on house arrest in Rome, sorry. He was in prison other places. And he wrote letters to encourage people while he himself should have been discouraged. He was on lockdown. Does that sound familiar? right? COVID. So in the middle of that lockdown, in the middle of what should have discouraged him and weighed him down, he said, you know what? I'm going to encourage others because it's that important. God is called the God of all comfort. Encouragement is his invention. And I will tell you, I'm not talking about flattery and being fake with people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Spirit-led encouragement. And when you encourage people, you will pull them up out of their pit. Paul says, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, because the one who prophesies encourages. And there's a lot of prophetic people in here. So here is what the Lord wants to reveal if you haven't already figured it out. The reason why some individuals here, and I say this with full confidence, have not been healed mentally and potentially even physically is because of unforgiveness. The Holy Spirit revealed that to me. And instead of Hearing that, if you're that person and resisting it, just open your hands and say, okay, I'm going to surrender to this. I'm going to forgive that person. Doug has mentioned a few weeks now that this is the year not just of teaching. I'm not just going to teach today. We're going to do some training. I'm going to teach you and share with you how to deliver yourself. First John chapter 2, verse 9 says this, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. That word blinded means to blunt the mental discernment or darken the mind. There's an article in Everyday Health that was written just recently 
And they reference a Hope College study from 2001, and they say this, not being able to forgive fosters feelings of anger, hostility, and stress, which are well-documented to impact mental and physical health. So don't tell me that unforgiveness doesn't cause sickness. It's amazing how science figures things out after God already figured it out a long time ago. I love that. I recently, this last week, I think it was last week, the 17th, whenever that was, came across an uh, Epoch Times, I don't know how to say that, an article that was published, and they, they were quoting different scientists, but they say this, quote, in the 1980s, scientists used a highly sensitive photomultiplier tube as a detector to measure a faint but visible glow emitted by organisms. Studies have found that the levels of the human body's luminescence correlate to physical and psychological health. What that means, translated, is you are glowing. And they found that when someone is discouraged, depressed, sick, their glow goes low. That's my words. So, so Jesus, when he says, you are a light, you are the light of the world, he meant it literally also. Like, you are literally shining, but when we are in a place of unforgiveness, which leads to mental illness, physical sickness, our glow diminishes. Have you ever noticed that when someone's been in, in God's presence, I've said this to many of you, I'm just like, you're glowing. Stephen, right before the Pharisees stoned him to death, he was, his face, he was so in God's presence that his face was glowing like an angel, it says. Moses, in the presence of God, as you know, he, 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 he covered his face so that the people wouldn't see that the glow is diminishing. When we walk in freedom with God, freedom from the dirt, we shine like the treasures that we are to him. He doesn't want that dirt to stay. And I know that there are relational issues in this group, some of which have been around for a long time. And many of you have justified hanging on to your unforgiveness. But Jesus gives no justification for it. Do you know why? Because if he had found justification because of our shortcomings and how we've offended him, then he never would have come and died on a cross to forgive my sins and to wash away your sins. He would have never done that if he kept, kept a record of wrongs. But he instead took the record of wrongs, my record of wrongs, and your record of wrongs, and the record of wrongs of that person, that individual, that family member, that friend who you hold a grudge against. He took that and he nailed it to the cross. And if he nailed it to the cross, there's no point for you to hang on to it. Because he killed sin. When he was killed, he killed the power of sin. And the only reason why we remain in bondage is because we allow ourselves to remain in bondage. You don't have to be the way you've been. If you are that person, you can be free today. You can deliver yourself. And it, it is very, very simple. Do you believe in Jesus? Jesus says this, Mark chapter 16, verse 17, and these signs will accompany who? Those who believe. Which signs? In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. And he goes on to say, heal the sick, et cetera, et cetera. They will, they will touch serpents and they, serpents and they won't be hurt. Speaking of demons. So if you are a believer in Jesus, you just got a promotion that you already had, by the way. <laughs> You're just now aware of it. You get to cast out demons. Because Luke chapter 9, verse 1 says that we have authority over 75% of demons. Jesus gave us authority over all demons, actually, is what it says. 
all demons means all demons. That means you get to deal with the demons, even if they're yours and they're hanging around you. It's so awesome. He wants to dust you off so he can show you off. And there's three, three steps that I came up with. That there's no, I'm not a fan of formulas, but I, wanted to, I felt like the Lord wanted me to make, give you something simple to hang on to as part of our training this year. So this is how to get free from the stuff that you deal with. So if you are taking notes, you might want to write this down. It's based on scripture. Number one, renounce. Number two, remove. And number three, reconcile. Renounce, remove, and reconcile. Renounce is another way of saying it's confession, okay? It's renouncing the unforgiveness. And it might be something else for you. Maybe the Holy Spirit revealed something else to you, some other sin, something else that you've done that you've been hanging on to. And God's like, hey, I'm ready to set you free right now. There is no reason to wait. But I need you to renounce it, he says. I need you to confess it because 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here's why that's important. Because the enemy will not let go of you if you will not let go of him. He's going to keep hanging on if you want him to. And when you do anything, when I do anything that is contrary to Jesus, to his truth, to what the Father says, in that moment, I invite the demonic to come influence me. Even if I was morally perfect, let's just say theoretically, I never sinned, you never sinned, would Satan leave you alone then? No. no. He didn't leave Jesus alone. He hit him at birth. He was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And it says the devil left only to come back at an opportune time. So if Jesus is not immune from demonic attack and influence, which he said no to all the time, of course, perfectly, then neither are we. None of us. No one, whether you're a Christian or not, I want to say that loud and clear. You all have targets on your back, I'm sorry to say. (laughs) Even if you're not a pastor or a leader, Satan's still after you. Because there's no telling what you can do to the kingdom of darkness. And Satan goes, and if you've been getting attacked a lot lately, it might be a sign that Satan is really freaked out of what you might do to his kingdom. He sees the potential that father gave you from birth. And he says, I have to do everything possible to stop that. And he's cunning, but you're not going to be ignorant of his schemes. So renounce and then remove. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil. So literally, once you confess whatever the Holy Spirit has revealed to you, the next step is to tell those demons to leave you alone. Jesus told Peter, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I've lost count how many times I've bound demons, even my kids. They're stirred up, strife, freaking out, chaos. I go in the other room and I say, I bind you in Jesus' name. You shut up and you get out of my house. All of a sudden, it gets quiet like that. Hundreds of times. I've lost count. Satan is after our kids. Because if he can get them from a young age then they'll be buddies as they grow up. They're called familiar spirits. And they don't even recognize who's hanging around because they've had that hanging around since they were young. Even from their parents.
but he gives more grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Either you will resist Satan or God will resist you. Like I taught at the end of November, we're in a season of subtraction. We are in a spiritual season of subtraction. God is taking things away that should not be because he wants to do so, so, so very much. But we need to get the dirt out of the way. Number three, reconcile with that person or persons. Do you know what the word repentance means? Repentance isn't just saying something, it's doing something. So repentance literally means to be going this direction, and then you go this direction. It's a 180. That's what repentance is. So I'm going down the path of unforgiveness, the path of whatever is opposed to God, and I say, I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to take an action, an act of faith, even though it might hurt, and it's going to be hard. I'm going to go to that person. I'm going to reconcile. I'm going to give give them a hug. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to pray for them. When you pray for someone that you've been embittered against, oh my goodness, that bitterness doesn't have anywhere to grow anymore. Isn't that amazing? You start blessing them in Jesus' name, those who have wronged you, which is what Jesus does to us. He blesses us even though we have wronged him. He says, bless and not curse. And, and really, this is the point of our existence, is to love one another. If we are not living in a place and dwelling in a place of forgiveness, it says that the Father won't forgive us. That's heavy. They will know us by what? Our love and our fruits. That's right. Fruit, love is a fruit of the Spirit. They will know us by that. And without love, without compassion, God's love, we might as well stay home and watch Netflix. Because otherwise, it's just a game. It doesn't mean anything. That's exactly what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. Without love, we are nothing. Without love, we, it means nothing. So I want you to do something right now. If Holy Spirit has spoken anything to you while I've been speaking, whether it's about unforgiveness or something you need to get rid of, maybe someone you need to help even, and you, you, you just, their name, that person is just burning in your heart, and you, you, your heart breaks for them, because you see them getting ripped off by Satan. If you want freedom, or know someone that needs freedom, and you are, and the Holy Spirit's tapping you and saying, you're that person, I'm going to use you to give, to bring freedom to them, to bring grace to them. If that's you, to be used in someone else's life, or that's you where you need freedom yourself, I want you to do something. I want you to raise your hand. Keep it up. Whoever is around those with raising their hands, put your hand on them, on their shoulder, <laughs> and begin to pray, and prophesy, Release the kingdom over that individual. Stand up if you feel led and go to someone. Everyone who has their hand up needs to have at least two people with hands on them.
Father, just bring your freedom. Freedom to your people. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Release. just have a, um, a strategy that the Holy Spirit showed me many, many years ago about uh, holding grudges. I used to be a very unforgiving person. And um, he showed me that if I can't look the person when, when I pass by them, what am I, that offended me, how do I feel about them? And and I would have to, at, when the Lord was working me out of unforgiveness, he, he brought that person in my life often until it was, I love that person. I love being around that person. When you can get to that point, not that you're saying, some, there's some of you that have been hurt so bad by certain people, I'm not telling you to go befriend those people. But when you think about them with compassion and love and what Matt was talking about, praying for them, that brings on compassion in your own heart. Because what did Jesus say uh, to the people that were crucifying him? Forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. So I just wanted to say, um, as he was talking about um, Satan and how he accuses us night and day, the Lord, first I thought he just wanted me to say it to Matt, but he wanted me to say it to everybody. And he was saying, as the enemy accuses us day and night, let's meditate on his word day and night. Is there anyone else? I feel like you want to. Some, have something to share. Jesus also told his disciples, don't rejoice. Don't rejoice that you have power over demons, but rejoice in what God's giving you. Rejoice that you have the kingdom. It's real easy when you're dealing with the demonic to let um, soulishness come up and the yay, victory, ha. And, and I'm not saying you don't rejoice internally. I'm saying it's, it's not a victory dance thing that is um, to let your soulishness take over. Remember to stay in the spirit. This is a spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual action. And our soul can get real hyped over stuff like that and the demonic. And that will actually kind of diminish your faith and you're staying in the moment and you're doing, you can celebrate toward God, but you don't have to get hyped. Yeah, when, when I've done uh, deliverances or helped others uh, find freedom, it, it, it always definitely draws attention to God himself because we can't do anything without the Lord. Um, there is joy, though, in freedom. There is joy in freedom. And that joy does, it comes from the Lord. And it is a result of his, of his saving hand, for sure. So, I actually received this word from God during worship, right after the, the last song that we sang, uh, Your Name is Power. Um, I sing Jesus over every part of my life. And something God has been sharing with me lately, and I... I I should have said this right after that little gap um, before tithe. But God said, or Jesus said, my name is Jesus, the name above all names. I will break every chain, every stronghold that holds you, that holds you captive. 
Sit before me and gaze into my eyes. Give me your time. Give me your most held commodity. I will do all good things in your life, but you must give me the time to do it. Sit before me daily and let me minister to you. He wants our first love like he wants our first fruits. We must tithe our most held commodity. Good word. I think if we take what you've taught us today, and I think a lot of us know this, but we lose sight of it, but it makes praying for your enemies make sense. Because until you can pray for them and be have your heart right, to go and get reconciled. So sometimes it starts with praying for that enemy. Then you can be reconciled. Very good, very good. Yeah, it's an act of faith. It really is. I'm not feeling it. Pray anyway. <laughs> and you might have the faith afterward. You probably will. Um, very recently, and, and I just want I just want to be humble myself and let you guys know that I'm, I'm, I'm with you in this. Any of you who are struggling with unforgiveness, um, uh, a word was spoken recently. Uh, Paul actually, Paul uh, Anderson shared a story. Uh, I think it was about uh, your dad. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the story, but in him sharing that and I was listening to it, the Holy Spirit was revealing to me some unforgiveness that was in my heart and it had been hidden and it was just sitting there for years towards certain individuals. And I didn't even know I was holding on to anything. I thought I had forgiven these people. And then the Holy Spirit started to show me, have you been praying for them? No, I haven't. And they had wronged me and I hadn't been praying for them. And this was just recently. So I always ask the Lord, I say, Lord, please teach me before I can teach anyone else. I always want him to impact my heart with his truth before I share it with anyone, um, truly, uh, because we are all in this battle together. Don't go anywhere. That was a powerful word. You know, when we forgive, we release grace. And I think releasing grace is one of the tools that God has given us that we know very little about. We've used it. It's probably the most powerful tool in our arsenal that we use the least, releasing grace on others. When I can forgive someone... I just release grace. It's kind of like synovial fluid. It's the slipperiest compound in the world. It's in your joints. That's what keeps everything moving. And when the synovial fluid's gone, it hurts, doesn't it? But when we release grace to each other, it's like we release that synovial fluid of God that allows us to rub into and be around each other and not be so abrasive. I just love it. So this morning, I would like to have us finish with a freedom tunnel. So I, I just, you know, it, it, it came to my heart during worship, and I thought, you know, this would be a good moment for that. And what I would like to do, here's the rules. I'd like the leaders, you know who you are, come up here. Tamara, come on up here. You're part of this too. And um, let's, how this works is we stand across from each other, and everybody moves through. I do not want anybody stopping, okay? Just keep moving. You may feel like you want to share a book with them, but don't. There's a lot of people in here, and we just want you to come through the line and experience the freedom of God. So by faith, you'll be coming through like a fire tunnel, and we want to release freedom over you. Amen? You want to add anything to that? Got it? Okay, so square off across from each other. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Ravella, come on up. Where's your sweetheart? Okay. 
So we'll start over here. And if you want freedom, mm, this love gives a choice. This is not mandatory. We'd love to see you come through. And then we'll just conclude as you go out the door and around that. Uh... So, Father, we just know that you're here. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the word that you laid on Matt's heart. Show us how to release forgiveness on those that we've been offended by. And, Father, maybe even those we've offended, show us how to release grace, God. So, Father, we pray this morning that by faith as people move through this tunnel, that they will be set free from addiction. They'll be set free from anger, all kinds of uh, issues, God. Not just one thing, but there are many things, God. So, Father, we just look to you, and we say yes, and we say amen. Go ahead.